0: Well, it's Advent. It's the four weeks before Christmas in which we pause to remember the incredible truth that God became incarnate. He incarnated. He took on human flesh and bones. And so we remember by just having candle that we light each week and reading the Christmas story and and just being reminded of this amazing truth that God came to the earth as a a child. See you guys. I, I think it's awesome that Dale chose a bunch of music that is so relevant to what we're talking about today. You know, it seems like it's mostly at Christmas that we hear about the term Messiah, right? We're always talking about Jesus Christ or Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, but the term Messiah sort of becomes more prevalent at this time of year. And of course, as believers, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But what is the Messiah? We need to understand what that is instead of just, you know, kind of throwing that term around loosely what is the, what is a Messiah? And if you go to Hebrew scriptures, you'll see that the term Messiah is not used exclusively for Jesus Christ. The term Messiah actually literally means the anointed one. And so there were many anointed ones in scripture. For instance, when a king was coronated, they would be anointed, and they would become the Messiah. When a priest was made high priest, there was a ritual, and they were anointed. They were the anointed one at the moment, at the time. They were the Messiah. And so this idea of the Messiah is not exclusively used in relation to one individual. But clearly in scripture, in Hebrew scriptures, there is a very strong theme of one singular, special, unique anointed one throughout Hebrew scriptures, which we know to be our Old Testament. The concept of one particular anointed one found in Hebrew scriptures, refers to someone who was going to be a descendant of King David, and he would come to redeem Jerusalem, redeem the Jewish people, his people, Israel, and he would reign on the throne of David. Now, the Greek Bible use Christos for Messiah. So when we say Jesus Christ, we're saying Jesus Messiah. (laughs) Messiah Hebrew, Christ or Christos Greek. New Testament is largely Greek. Old Testament largely Hebrew. And so it's the same. So when we say Jesus, sometimes you'll hear people say Jesus the Messiah. Or sometimes you'll hear them say, Jesus, the Christ, they're saying the same thing. Christos, or Christ, is the Messiah. And so we believe with all of our hearts that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So traditional Judaism and Christianity agree on the concept of the Messiah. Conceptually, they agree on what the Messiah is, in principle. They believe that he is sent by God, this is that special unique one, not just the other Messiahs, this one anointed unique one. He would be sent by God, he would be a monarch in the line of David, he would reign on David's throne, he would establish a global kingdom and he would usher in a utopian era of peace. This is what Jews and Christians can agree on. Where they differ is interpretation of what those things are. How is is the Messiah a monarch? How is he in the line of David? How, how, what is his global kingdom? What does it look like? What is this peace that he brings? And so the Jews who were contemporaries of Jesus Christ knew that Jesus was being rumored to be the Messiah. And, And those Jews who were contemporaries of Jesus, they had to make a decision. They had to decide, is this the Messiah? Is this the monarch in the line of David who's going to bring global peace? And we know that the vast majority of them rejected that idea, and they crucified Christ. But you know what? Jesus made no bones about being the Messiah. He was very clear about it. Very early on, If you remember, I referenced this incredibly important conversation that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at the well. Well, in that same conversation, the woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Can't be any clearer than that. The woman said, the Messiah is coming, he'll explain all this. Jesus said, I'm the guy. I am the Messiah. After his resurrection, Jesus is walking down the road of Maes with a couple of the disciples. And probably not a couple from the twelve, but you know, Jesus had way more than twelve disciples. But these were two guys, and they're kind of going home. Back home, and they're kind of dragging their heels and they're glum and they're kind of disappointed and discouraged. And Jesus is shows up and they don't recognize him as Jesus. And he says, What are you guys so bummed out about? Like, what's wrong? Right? And uh they're crestfallen. And Jesus is like the, the scripture says that he was surprised that they didn't put two and two together, that he was the Messiah. But they figured, well, you know, he he was humiliated, he got crucified, the Romans put that story out. Our hopes were so high in this Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to these disciples. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Thus it is written that the Messiah should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah. I'm surprised you don't recognize me. I'm surprised you don't recognize the fact that even even though I was crucified <laughs> that I am the Messiah. And of course ultimately their eyes were open and they were like, "Oh, you are oh, okay, you yeah, so all of those prophecies about the Messiah I see that now, it's all coming to me, and Jesus explained it to them. It says he explained everything to them. So here we are, in our world, we have two major world religions that disagree sharply about one thing, and that is whether or not Jesus Christ was the Messiah or not. And once again, The disagreement centers around the interpretation of these things that both Jews and Christians agree upon that the Messiah will be a monarch, he'll be a descendant of King David, he'll reign on his throne, he'll establish a global kingdom, he's sent by God, he'll usher in a utopian era of peace. Jews who who reject Jesus Christ as Messiah take a very temporal view or worldly view. Remember what I was just talking about during communion. A, a very singular, plain view of the Messiah. Their Messiah is yet to come. And he, he'll be a guy, he'll be a man. He will be a worldly king, who is a descendant of David for sure, And he will usher in a, a, a global period of peace. So that's what Jews believe the Messiah is, and many are still waiting for him to show up. But Christians who accept that Jesus was the Messiah have a much more spiritual, and I would say grander view, of what the Messiah is. We see the monarchy, or his royalty, as the fact that he is the king of the kingdom of God. We see his royalty in terms of deity—that he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, God Himself. We believe, yes, he is a descendant of David, and whose um, reign—he's a descendant of David whose reign and kingdom is universal for sure and eternal. And we believe that the peace that he brings is not just a peace between warring nations, but it's a peace between man and God. This is what one contemporary, uh, today, modern Jewish theologian says about why do Jews not accept Jesus as the Messiah? Judaism does not believe that Jesus was the Messiah because he did not fulfill any Messianic prophecies. The Messiah will bring universal peace. It has been obvious for 900 years, the Messianic days of peace have not arrived. So because the world has continued in war since Jesus' time, they they use that as a proof that he's not the Messiah. Missing the entire point, that the peace that Jesus came to bring was not between warring countries or, you know, kind of like the peace that the United Nations is all about. He came to bring peace between man and God. And so he's rejected by Jews and accepted by Christians as the prince of peace who brings peace between sinful man and a holy God. The fact that Jesus did fulfill all the messianic prophecies as he said, remember he said when he was speaking to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he explained to them everything from scripture that proved he was the Messiah. Prophecies accepted by the Jews of Jesus' day, Jesus proved to his disciples that he had fulfilled them. And so, in this season of Advent, we are going to celebrate the arrival of the long awaited Messiah. But we're going to look at four messianic prophecies that Jewish people and Christians can agree on that are messianic, which mean prophecies about the coming Christ. And we're going to take a look at four messianic prophecies and how they do more than prove that Jesus was the Messiah from the Jewish perspective of a worldly king, but prove that Jesus is the Messiah from the Christian perspective of being the King of kings and Lord of lords, who, yes, was from the line of David, and who will reign for eternity, and who has brought peace. And the first one that we're going to look at today is that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Now the prophecy that Dale read from the book of Micah was considered by both the Jewish people and Christians that this prophecy, Micah 5, is about the coming Messiah. And if you have your Bible, you should turn to Micah 5, but I'll just read little excerpts to you. The first thing is that it says that the Messiah will come from Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are of old from ancient times. Now it's important to understand the, the context of Micah. I'll give it to you very quickly. Micah lived 750 years, let's say, between Jesus Christ's birth, so before Jesus Christ's birth. So 750 years. At that time, Israel was two nations. The nation in the north, the northern kingdom, was made of 10 tribes of Israel, and the southern kingdom was made of two tribes. The north was, co- was actually called Israel, the south was called Judah. But Micah was from Jerusalem, from Judah, And as the north is being conquered by Assyria and and abolished forever, Micah had the job of telling the Jewish people in Judah, don't worry, even though they're going to try, they are not going to conquer Judah. So that's the context. And that's when he goes into this piece about someone who is going to come and redeem you, an anointed one who is going to redeem you. Now, in this passage of Micah, there are six stunning proofs, (laughs) six stunning proofs that this prophecy that God's, uh, that was involved in God's message to Judah was far grander than some message of hope that Assyria wasn't going to obliterate Judah. Way bigger themes involved here. You see God was going to use Micah and here we are in 2020, you know, 2020, almost 2021, still talking about this passage from Micah, this prophecy. But he's going to use God is using Micah to say this is the true meaning of Messiah. In fact, to point specifically to Jesus of Nazareth. So let's get started, it'll be really quick. It's just a little mark for you. I've said it already. Micah says, he will be born in Bethlehem, the Messiah. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel. And of course, we know the, the Christmas story. We know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem which is also the ancestral home of King David. The other thing, though, that Micah says, and this is where we start to see separation between the Christian understanding of Messiah and the Jewish understanding of Messiah, is that the Messiah will have pre-existed the age of his arrival. Let me say that again. He will have pre-existed the period in which he arrives On the scene. He says this, Micah. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Micah says this, 750 years before Jesus is born. Jesus, the Messiah, as Christians know, is eternal. He preexisted even showing up 2,000 years ago, because he's God. He's infinite. He was God infinitely before, and he will be God infinitely forever. And so, Micah said that in his prophecy. I love this exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees, where he says something that rocks their socks, which just drives them batty, because he claims to have pre existed. He literally says, This isn't my first go round. I've been here and have always been here. I have pre existed. And this is what he says Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I didn't, I'd be a liar. But I do know him and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. Abraham rejoiced at, at seeing the day of the Messiah, the coming of Christ the Lord. He saw it and was glad. And then they're like, Oh, yeah, right. Who are you? You're not even 50 years old, they said. And and you've seen Abraham? I can just hear the, the tone in which they use, you know, like, yeah, like you you saw Abraham right and then Jesus says this to them which almost gets him killed right there on the moment at the moment he says very truly I tell you before Abraham was I am at this they picked up stones to stone him but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds what was Jesus saying there do you remember Moses at the burning bush Moses at the burning bush Okay, I'll do it. I'll go back and, and I'll free Israel. But who am I going to tell the Israelites that you are? And he says, I am who I am. So tell them that the I am has sent you. See what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is saying very clearly, I pre existed. I am the I am. I'm the guy who spoke from the burning bush to Moses. And they were like, yeah, this guy's nuts. We got to get rid of this guy. He's a heretic. And all these people following him, this could be trouble. And they tried to stone him right there and then. So Jesus, Micah said, will be born in Bethlehem, that he would pre exist the age of his arrival. He also said that the Messiah would be born after a long period of God's absence from Israel. Did you know that there's an intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which are called the 400 silent years? That is a period in which God did not speak to Israel through a prophet, from Malachi to the birth of Jesus. 400 years of silence before Gabriel appears to Mary and Joseph. 400 years of silence. And look at what uh, Micah says. He says, therefore, since Israel will be abandoned abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. This clearly refers to this intertestimonial period in which there wouldn't be any word from the one true God to his people Israel. 400 years of silence. Israel will be abandoned until the time when she is in labor. She who is in labor bears a son. Number four, the Messiah will shepherd his flock. He will stand and shepherd his flock, Micah said, in in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus knew that the Messiah would be a shepherd who would lead his people. And he said, I am the good shepherd. The Messiah, Micah said, would also rule over the entire world. He will stand, these are his words, God's words through him, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. In Matthew 24, Jesus says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We know that Jesus' reign will be absolute, and that all of the world will ultimately submit to his authority. So Micah was right. The Messiah would rule over the entire world. And then finally Micah says, the Messiah will bring peace to the world. He says, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be our peace. And we know that Jesus' mission as the Messiah was to bring peace, but not peace between warring nations. Peace between warring man and God. Sinful man and God. Humanity that had rejected the authority of their king. And the Apostle Paul explains this a little bit further. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there they are, six stunning proofs from that little prophecy of Micah, that the Messiah would be all of those six things. And, and can there be any doubt that Jesus fulfilled the messianic prophecy of Micah? It, it's absolutely clear that he did. And it's more than just fulfilling the Messianic prophecy. The prophecy itself clearly describes one person only, and that is Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ. So this teaching can sound very academic, but it's far from it. Jesus is the Messiah. if Jesus is the Messiah. Like the Jews who were contemporaries of Jesus and rubbed shoulders with Jesus, let's say in Jerusalem or in Judah, Samaria, Galilee, they had to make a decision whether or not to accept that he was the Messiah and all that that means. See, we can relegate Jesus to obscurity of just another moral voice who lived an exemplary life and nothing more. Or we can accept his claims about himself. And if we do, it changes everything. You see, we need to accept his message. If we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, we have to accept his message. And his message is that our sin separates us from God and only he, through his death on the cross, can give peace. And if we accept his gift of peace, his reconciliation, then we have to make him the Lord of our life. Our lives are no longer our own, but his. And our entire purpose for living is altered to meld into his purposes for our lives. You see, if Jesus is the Messiah, he needs to be our Messiah. He needs to be our king. And we bend our will to his. The question for today then is, what will you do with the Messiah who was born in Bethlehem? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the prophetic word agreed upon by Jews and Christians alike of Micah. Thank you that you came and you fulfilled that as proof to help people understand, even those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, but even us today. You gave proofs so that we would know that Jesus of Nazareth is Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. And help us, Lord, to understand if we accept that truth implications for ourselves, that if you are the Messiah, Lord, it changes everything for us. Lord, I pray for each person here that they would choose to accept this truth and that they would make you the king of their lives, the true Messiah of their lives, the anointed one of their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.